Hey guys, and welcome to a special edition of the Money Podcast. It's called Money News You'll Really Use. You know, on October 19th, 1987, I was a 32-year-old stockbroker working for E.F. Hutton. On that day, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost more than 22%. One day, guys, think about that, 22%. That's the largest one-day stock market decline in market history. Not only did I lose a ton of my personal savings that day, my clients were wiped out and they were freaked out. Not a fun time to be an investment advisor. Now, since that time, I've weathered many vicious market beatings. 7% one-day decline in October of 1997. Several 7% plus one-day declines in 2008. 10% one-day decline in March of 2020. And here we are again. As of January 25th, this is the worst start to a year since people began tracking the S&P 500 back in 1929. So far this month, the S&P 500 is down 8.6%. The tech-heavy NASDAQ down 13.5%. Losing money hand over fist sucks. But if you don't understand why it's <laughs> happening and what's likely to happen next, it's also dangerous because panic leads to bad decisions like selling when you should be sitting. That's why we're producing a special edition of our money podcast today. We're going to discuss why the stock market is tanking, what's likely to happen next, and what you should be doing. We'll also recap other important personal finance news that's happening this month, and also we'll check in on our personal investments. As usual, my co-host is financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacy, and hello, Aaron. Well, I didn't, I didn't get to him yet. Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hi, Aaron, and now you can say hi to Miranda. Ah, hi, Miranda. Just so like you guys know, there is the impatient and the patient. Which are you? <laughs> I am the impatient. Can you tell by how fast I'm talking? Uh, here's what's going to happen today, guys. In part one of our show, we're going to discuss where we are now and what the heck is happening in this stock market. In part two, we're going to go over other important personal finance news stories that have occurred so far in 2022. And in part three, we'll go over some recent investments the three of us have made or not made, because we're probably all cowering in a corner. We're going to get that ball rolling, but first, a disclaimer. We are going to discuss specific investments in this show, including things we have personally invested in. But these are not recommendations, because what's right for us may not be right for you. Before you invest in anything, do your own research, make your own decisions. Okay, let's get back to it, guys. Let's start with where we are now and where we've been this month. I actually just kind of said that. The, the stock market is just horrible this month. The worst it's ever been, the first, the worst January since 1929. Are you freaked out, Aaron? Uh, no, not for, not after things I've read. And what about you, Miranda? A little freaked out? A little scared? Nope. <laughs> I'm not. Well, I mean, I mean, anybody who's been, then. no, anybody who's been, well, I'm scared. I, I, I'm annoyed about other things, but the stock market isn't one of them. Uh, no, I mean, if anybody's who's listened to us on this show for the like last two years knows that I've been waiting for a stock market drop. So, I mean, this, is, this, is, yeah, this is something that we've been kind of watching for, we've been waiting for, and we've been expecting it. And so, um, so yeah. And we're not even sure this is really the thing, right? I mean, we're not even sure this is going to keep going down. We're not even sure it's really going to keep going down because, my goodness, like you'd have like there was one day where it was like I wake up in the morning, I do my yoga, I finally like open it up and see what the Dow is doing, and it's down eight hundred points, and I'm like, eh, okay, well, this could be it. And then by the time the close comes around, it's it's up. It's up a hundred points, and so I'm just like, whatever, man. I mean, we're just we're just having a roller coaster right now. 
You, you index investors are so boring. You don't. You we never get freaked are. out because you're you're investing in everything. <laughs> See, I I get freaked out because I've got all these individual stocks. And you know, first of all, let me say uh, one more time, which I've said now on basically every podcast that we've done for the last six months. Um, the market was due for a decline, and and we told uh, our listeners. Be sure you're in stuff. You're, you're in companies that make things and make money, because these these speculative stocks have gotten absolutely crushed. Well, with this raise in interest rates, which actually hasn't even happened yet, we'll go over that a little more. When we go over the news, but the you know, the other thing though I wanted to mention is that I also have said a million times on this podcast, I, 66 year old Stacy, wants to take wanted to take some chips off the table. And I've mentioned that over and over that I'm going to, you know, I, I was waiting for the Santa Claus rally, which came. My my Apple, which is my largest position, hit uh, all, new all-time highs. And so naturally, I did what I said and took some money away off the table, right? No, I did not. <laughs> so <laughs> so here I sit. And, and Aaron, I wanted to mention this specifically to you because you said to me, you said, Stacy, why did you keep saying you were going to do that and not do it? And, and I, so I got a quote just for you, Aaron. Here, here it is. An investor who missed the market's 10 best days between 2001 and 2020 would have cut their returns in more than half. And let me repeat that. If you missed the 10 best days in the last 20 years, you would have cut your returns in more than half. Well, it makes sense. So th this is one reason I'm a little reluctant to get on the sidelines. And, and another thing I've mentioned, too, is that I also have I, I have been relatively conservative as the market's gone up. I do have a lot of money in the stock market. Don't get me wrong, but I could have had more. And there are things that I didn't do. You know, I didn't I did, that I did not invest in that I could have because I, I could see the market was getting nosebleed. So I, I started I, I pulled in my horns a little bit. However, though that being said, I could have sold a lot of stocks at the beginning of the year and and booked a lot of profits. And I'm down I'm down over one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh, just since January, not out. I mean, I didn't lose that money because I haven't sold anything. But I am down uh, at least 150 grand. I don't know exactly how much uh, because I've been, you know, hugging myself in the corner, not not counting my losses. But but I I'm, I am down significantly. But you don't sound you you know why I don't sound like I'm bummed out because I know I expect this. You just heard me in the intro. You know, I, I've been through this a lot, and and I do have quality stuff. Uh, as you can see, if you go to our show notes and you click on Stacy Stocks, you can see what I own. I've got every single stock I own on there, and and they've gone down, but they're not they're not down for the count. Uh, th these are these are quality companies that make money, and there's a limit to how much they're probably going to go down. Another thing, um, I think the just today, just this morning, did you guys see that the uh, G GDP fourth quarter GDP came out, the gross domestic mm. product, mm -hmm. and it was what was it, Miranda? It was six point two percent or something, wasn't it, for last year? For last last quarter annualized, yeah, it was something like that. It was like not bad at all. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, so uh, economy grew one point seven percent in the fourth quarter, with the uh, overall gross domestic product uh, as the the biggest in decades. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Since so, 1984 or something. Yeah. Right? So for the, f yeah. So the full, for the full year, uh, it was 5.7%. If we're looking at it on an annualized basis, then I guess it's 6.9% for the quarter. So, yeah. So th that's a hell of a quarter. So point being, yeah. we're not in, in a recession. We're still going to no. be coming out of, of, out of the COVID malaise. 
uh, and we're going to, and we're hopefully going to be buying stuff. And so, in other words, if I thought for sure that the market was going into a long-term recession, I probably would have been a little more cautious and, and taken more money off the table. But I'm not sure that that's the case. We, we were having really good uh, gross domestic product. We've got a lot of people that are making more money. Uh, yes, there is inflation, but we've uh, but our economy is still looking pretty okay. I'm not expecting that to continue forever, but as as we speak today. I'm not unhappy that I that I've left all my money at play. Yeah, and, and honestly, though, like this this kind of like raging GDP situation uh, and this economic expansion and how dramatic it was, especially since it's the biggest since 1984. Um, there's a, I mean, this is just going to strengthen the idea that um, the Fed needs to raise interest rates. Um, that's that's just what's going to happen, right? People are going to look at this and say, okay, uh, we don't want inflation to get out of control. Um, and, and a lot of people, what you know, interest, the, the point of raising interest rates is to kind of slow down that inflation. It's it's to get a handle on it. And so, you know, people don't like interest rates go up as a way to keep inflation from getting out of control. And so, yeah, so this this is probably going to be a further argument for us to see um to see some some in, some higher interest. I mean, we we already saw the Fed already said they were going to raise interest rates this year in 2022, uh, but this is just going to further like bolster that position. Yes, and and I think that, and actually let, let's be really clear and specific. On March 14, 15th or 16th, the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates for sure. The odds of that are 100%. Um, so those of you who have not refinanced your mortgage yet. I'd do that if I were you, because when that rate goes up, um, the your interest rate on your mortgage will also go up. So if you are going to refinance and you've been delaying, stop delaying and start refinancing. The interest rates are going to go up. And when that happens, now remember, we've talked about this before, higher interest rates mean speculative stocks are of less value. Uh, I'm not going to bother going into all the explanation of why that is, but just trust me. If you're in a company that makes money, it's got a solid P.E. ratio. In other words, if it's got a low P.E. ratio to compare to its own historical P.E. ratio, you're probably okay. But if it doesn't have, if it doesn't have earnings, get out. I, mean, I don't want to say that universally I mean, if you're a long-term holder. But if you're 66-year-old Stacy, you do not want to be in speculative stocks or crypto, for that matter, when interest rates go up. Now, so it may just be a quarter point uh, increase in the, in the Fed funds rate, maybe half a point. Probably would be a quarter, uh, but it won't be the only one. Now, and, and remember, Miranda, we were talking about well, a quarter point. Who cares? Well, it does matter, and that's why the, that's why the Nasdaq is down uh, as we speak about fourteen percent. So keep that in mind, folks. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that, and especially remember, you know, these guys, Miranda and Aaron, that they're in their forties. I'm in my sixties, so our our needs are not necessarily the same. If you've got twenty years to retirement, and you're not freaked out. You know, when you lose 20% of the value of one of your investments, then okay, don't worry about it. Like Miranda, you're not worried about it. Mm -mm. No, and like I said, you know, I mean, I am an indexer, so it's all it's all very boring. <laughs> so, eh, yeah. Well, I you're mean, not, I'm, yeah, you do things that aren't boring, though. Like, what do you think about crypto? You're, you're, you're a crypto queen. 
What, what do you think? <laughs> I just said, I just said, if interest rates go up, crypto might get hurt. What do you think? Do you disagree? Yeah, I mean, well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing that's been interesting and that I've enjoyed watching because, you know, you know I, and we, we do want to be very clear that, yes, I do enjoy crypto. I think it's super fun. I really like the, um, the potential with the underlying blockchain technology and the potential for that. Um, but also remember that crypto accounts for, uh, well, now, after after the recent bloodbath in crypto, it was accounting for close to 9% of my portfolio, but it's probably closer to 7% of my portfolio right now. Uh, so uh, crypto does not account for, yeah, you, oh, no, it's more like 6% of my portfolio. Okay, cool. Six, between yeah. six to seven well, okay. of my portfolio. You're actually looking at it right now. See how, see how organized you are? That's really good, though. It's, yeah, I'm looking at my crypto... Yeah, I'm looking at this crypto crash. It's super fun. Um, but the thing that's been interesting and what this is going to be a really great test of as far as crypto goes um, and what happens in the future with crypto, um, it's going to be interesting because one of the big things that uh, crypto evangelists have been pushing for like the last two, th two to three years, and especially in the last year, one of the things these crypto evangelists have been pushing has been, you know, crypto is great. It's uncorrelated to the markets. You're you're getting out of the financial markets. You're out here in this freedom space and you won't have to worry about stock market crashes or fiat currency devaluing or any of that business if you're in crypto. Well, from where I'm standing and from what I have looked at over the last couple of the last few months, Crypto looks pretty damn correlated to the stock market. <laughs> so, yes, 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 it does. And maybe and it was be also supposed to be an inflation hedge. Right. Yes. And so, uh, for, for those of you out there who called crypto an inflation hedge, let me tell you a term that we used to use back when I was a stockbroker. You're an idiot. <laughs> That's so, wrong. Right. And so, so just looking at that, it'll be interesting to see. Will there be a divergence? Will they like? Will Will crypto really come into its own and kind of decouple from this market uh, performance? I don't know. And it could be interesting for me. I have a lot of privilege because my, you know, I didn't I didn't put my life savings into crypto in the hopes that I would get rich fast. So I'm just fascinated to see where this goes and whether um, whether the actual underlying use case can actually bring us into the next structure of you know, technology and the internet and the way we do business, or whether it just fizzles out and we leapfrog to something next. I don't know. I'm super interested to see, though. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, I'm, I, I still own some crypto. Uh, my crypto is now worth about half what it was worth uh, a few months ago. But, I, but I'm not going to get out of it because, you know, it's, it's really an interesting scenario we have here, Miranda and Aaron, but because we really we have some people who I respect and admire saying this is a real thing. Do not you know, be, make sure you participate. And then I have some people uh, who I respect and admire saying this is a Ponzi scheme. You know, and I don't and one of them is going to be right. And I have no idea which one. I really don't. Well, so the interesting thing is it can be both. Right. Um, should we take a break and then I'll tell you how it can be both? Oh, thank both you. After thank the you for break. noticing that. I'm so excited. <laughs> I didn't even look at my stopwatch. It is time for a break. We're going to be right back. We're going to give you some news and then we're going to talk about some investments you might want to take a look at. Be right back. Okay, we are back. Thank you, Miranda, again, for reminding me of our break there. Um, yeah. So we were talking about crypto. We were also talking about interest rates. It, isn't it fascinating, too, that interest rates, I'm just looking at a chart here. On August 2nd, the 10-year Treasury was 0.53%. 
and it is now 1.8%. Mm. That is a monster, monster move. That's a and the 10-year matters, if, especially if you're borrowing on a mortgage or a car loan or a credit card or anything like that. Actually, I um, want to take so, a look at this. The thing that's been really interesting for me is the I-bonds rate. Um, yes, yes. And that's 7% or something, isn't it? It's something ridiculous. Yeah, it's still, yeah, still 7.1%. And I'm just sitting here going... I gotta get I gotta get me some eye bonds. <laughs> when and was you know the last what? time anybody was like, either. I gotta get me some eye bonds? And I'm just thinking maybe I need to get some eye bonds just for that sort of medium term bucket, right? Because you know I like to bucket money I'm gonna be needing yeah. access to or whatever. And I'm thinking maybe I want some eye bonds for that medium term bucket, that you know four to seven or eight year bucket. Maybe I want some eye bonds. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, but the thing with eye bonds, you can only buy ten thousand dollars worth. But yeah. it's still seven percent on ten thousand bucks, you know, and that's I, I'm not making that percent is right. that's guaranteed. I mean, that can't be safer. So right, that, and that's, that's pretty good interest. Yeah, and that's that's not terrible for that like medium term bucket. Still remains reasonably liquid. Still remains, you know, and you're getting that kind of guaranteed return to go in there. So I'm I'm kind of looking at it. It looks interesting, man. Yeah, those so, yeah I would advise anybody hearing our voices. Uh, if if you have money that you can set aside for a couple of years and and you want to earn seven percent on it with no risk whatsoever, check out iBonds. Simple to do. Uh, I I can't remember the actual website. It's really easy. It's like tbonds.com. Uh, it's not. It's, what, it's, treasurydirect.gov. Treasury you want that gov. dot gov? It's a dot gov website. Yes. Yes. You get your you get your uh, when you want to do like treasury bonds or I like any sort of treasury security. Go through treasurydirect.gov. Thank you again, Miranda. You're so much smarter than me. But I'm richer. Uh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. How does that, that. work? <laughs> I would not say that, but. <laughs> so anyway, though, Bitcoin, one one more time, just to rub a little salt in this wound. Uh, Bitcoin is now <laughs> $36,000 as I speak, $36,105. Did you see how many people were saying it was going to be 100000 by the end of last year? <laughs> I did. What do we call them? Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, and once again, you know, I mean, perspective here, because like people are like, I see people losing their minds. Oh my gosh, I'm losing so much in Bitcoin. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, I wouldn't mind selling a little more of my Bitcoin because one has to remember that. Uh, my first Bitcoin I acquired for free when it was worth four bucks and any subsequent Bitcoins that I had, I acquired back before it broke that hundred dollar barrier. <laughs> so yeah. my personal crypto portfolio is just still to the moon. Pure profit. Um, yeah. I mean, I already took I already took profits. I've already taken more than 10 times what I've put in to cryptocurrency. I've already taken those profits. I've taken um, nothing out. Uh, no. I, I bought some cheap, but by and large, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've got at least 100% profit, but not. But I don't have a 10,000% profit either. Yeah. So. But, you know, just think that this, though, Bitcoin was $67,130 in November, November 9th. Right. And it is now 36000 And if that, if that kind of decline, it's almost 50%. It's not quite. Maybe let's call it 40%. If I lost that much on my Apple stock, oh, boy, would I be unhappy. But I'm, I'm down right. 15% or ten, at least 10%. No, more like 15% on my Apple just this year. And that's a chunk for me. It's it's yeah. 100 grand. Yeah, I so think anyway. we're going to Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of like resetting. It'll be fine. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, I, well, Apple's Apple's announcing their earnings today. Uh, you can imagine that at four o'clock, Stacy will be watching CNBC and hoping everything's going to work out okay for my darling Apple. Um, okay, l let's do a couple of quick news stories, and we can talk about because uh, we're I'm talking a lot today, but 
Uh, I've got some news stories. Maybe you guys do too. Here's some of the things that have happened just in the last couple of weeks. Now we did we did the same podcast a couple of weeks ago, so this is just from the 15th to now. I've got a I've got a few um, a few stories that I that I copied and pasted on my notes here. Um, here's one. Giant stock. This is January 17th from the Wall Street Journal. Giant stock swings kick off 2022. U.S. stocks are off to a rocky start in 2022. Now, I, I, here's the paragraph I wanted to read from this. More than 220 U.S. listed companies with market capitalizations above $10 billion are down at least 20% from their highs. While some have bounced from their lows, many remain in bear market territory. Walt Disney, Netflix. Netflix is getting creamed. It was 500, now it's like 380. Um, Salesforce, Twitter, all down 20 plus percent from their highs. So this is a bear market, folks, for, for a lot of stocks. And, and it's a correction for almost all of them, except oil. Oil stocks have done very well. Uh, here, here's another headline. Let's see. Oh, this is from January 18th. Next day from the New York Times. Supply chain woes could worsen as China imposes new COVID lockdowns. That's kind of depressing. The measures have already have already confined tens of millions of people to their homes in several Chinese cities and contributed to a suspension of connecting flights through Hong Kong, blah, blah, blah. So our, our, our supply chain woes are not getting much better. And, and I just saw something yesterday. In fact, um, Jerome Powell, the, federal, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, he's, he said that the um, supply chain issues, it'll probably be the last part of the latter part of the year before they're, before they're cleaned up. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a gradual process. And also, the chips um, that, that everybody's freaking out about, things that are keeping us from getting new cars and all kinds of other things, that's going to take a long time to iron out, too. It's not going to be done in another month or two. It's probably going to be done like in a year. So that's got- probably the, the big muscle behind inflation, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I, think, I think the supply chain problem is the big muscle behind inflation. Uh, I find it amusing, and I've had a lot of my friends say to me, you know, the uh, inflation is all because of Biden. You know, Biden's the inflation problem. And I'm like, really? So Biden's controlling the inflation in Europe, which also has inflation issues, and in China, which also has inflation issues. <laughs> I didn't realize how powerful Biden was. So, you know, I think, it's, I think a lot of that is, and also just flat out demand, you know, because what happened was we couldn't go to eat because of COVID. And so we, the, the money that usually goes into um, services went to things, went to goods. And so now there's a huge demand for goods. And so I think that's what happened. I think that's a large part of the problem. I'm not going to say every, every part of it. Uh, same right. thing with the oil prices. Go ahead, Miranda. What? Yeah, well, yeah. And I was just going to say, like, I mean, there's just a lot going on here. And and I think we just have a tendency here. We like to have a scapegoat. We like to ascribe more power. Like, for some reason, we have this idea that we that the president is responsible for all the things. Yeah. And there's really just not a lot that the president is even responsible for. Congress has more, uh, you know, more impact and more ability to affect any sort of change or helpful things in people's lives than the president does. Yeah, that is true. Now, here's are an guys, article. Are you guys worried that you're going to have you're going to have like 1970s inflation or 1980s? Not inflation? in any way. Not in any way. Not in any way. No, I, I was an adult in 1981 when uh, mortgage rates were 14% and money markets were paying 21%. Can you imagine that? Uh, so no risk, 21%. You could get AAA rated tax-free bonds that were paying 13%. Wouldn't that be awesome? But here, You know, here, around that time, the S&P PE ratio was around 8 in 1982. 
Yeah, well, actually. And today, right now, it's at twenty-five. Yeah, well, actually, Aaron, the the when we just had the the um, I want to call it a flash crash, but uh, March twentieth of twenty twenty or something like that. You know, when COVID became a thing, uh, and the market the market fell ten twelve percent in a couple of days, and the and uh, that's when there were also, there was also a lot of compression of price earnings ratios. That that was a lot. In fact, most of the stocks I own now, not most, but a lot of them, I bought in March of two thousand nine. And 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 PE ratios were that compressed then, so when people freak out, that's that's one of the things you want to look at when the market gets really really bad, and you look at a stock like let's say Apple, Apple t- traditionally trades at about a 30, 30 multiple, so so thirty times earnings, which is high. It's higher than the average, but that's because they grow a lot. It's a really quality company. So when you see Apple get down to twenty times earnings, um, it, that's really good. And that's a good time to buy it. So you, you compare it not just to the overall market price earnings ratio, but comparing it to its own historical price earnings ratio is a good way to pick out some winners. So, yeah, I also saw an article today where Apple will, uh, I guess in the next phones or whatever it is, they're going to be able to uh, accept credit card payments just with the phone itself, mm. which would disrupt a lot of fintech like Square and all those guys. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. I, yeah, well, I, yeah, I saw that as well. I, I figure, I mean, it kind of makes sense, and and they can probably do it pretty well. Um, I actually just wrote an article for a um, for a bank about tokenization and how, you know, near uh, near field communication, which is what your phone uses when you can just like kind of wave it near uh-huh. a point of sale thing. And how tokenization and near-field communication like really have changed the game. Well, if you've got credit cards with chips, if you've got all this tokenization going on, um, Apple is you know at the forefront of these payment things. We don't think about it a lot, but Apple's up there at the forefront of these payment things. Like being able to accept a credit card payment with your phone that that's huge, uh, and yeah, it also yeah. it also kind of disrupts like you were saying that fintech stuff. It and it can disrupt the person-to-person payment stuff as well, like with Venmo and yeah. everything. From y'all's lips to God's ear, I'll tell you, I own a bunch of <laughs> Apple, <laughs> and I'm really hoping that they knock it out of the park today. This is a this is a really good article that I got just a couple of days ago. In fact, yesterday, January 26th. Uh, this is in the Wall Street Journal. Have you ever heard of Jason Zweig? Yes. He's a really good writer. He's been around for a long time, and I really like his writing. Yeah, but- well, yeah, the fun thing about Jason Zweig, just side note, is he's the one who did the updated version of Benjamin Graham's classic um, the intelligent investor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and and there's also Martin Zweig. Did you know that? I did I'm not, not sure. know. I don't. I don't know if they're related or if I am hallucinating and made that up. I I think there's a Martin Zweig too. But anyway, here here's the here's the um and and this will summarize. I think, and you'll agree with me on this too, Miranda. This will summarize our philosophy of where we are now and what we should do next. The title of the article from the Wall Street Journal: Why you should sit out the mayhem. And here's a, here's a blurb from it. Individual investors should tune out the futile efforts by commentators and strategists to extrapolate the market's latest swings into a prediction of what will happen next. Instead, use the recent volatility to make an honest assessment of what kind of investor you are and how much risk you can stomach. If you have been glued to financial television or websites, fixated on the sight of falling arrows and reddening charts, then this year's short-term turbulence has already told you something about yourself that has an enormous long-term importance. You probably have too much in stocks. So there you go. And and you know, and that's and that's this is why you can hear cheerful me 
even though I, you know, my my stocks are tanking because I don't have too much in stocks. And and I've been I've been you know this is my first rodeo. I've been down this road before. But if you do find yourself freaking out, then that's telling you you have too much in stocks. So I, I really like what Jason said there. Yeah, I think agree, that's, that's agree, Miranda. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, um, and like I said on my own thing, I went ahead and uh, I wrote a art. I wrote a thing for my own website on Monday about like you know what you should do now that the the stock market is crashing. Nothing. <laughs> like like yeah. that's yeah. you know. Uh, and then you know once again reevaluate. Think about you know what's what are the goals? What are what are the goals of your accounts? What are you trying to do with your money? And once again, if you are, as Jason says, having a freak out about it, and it's really going to impact you in the next, you know, your your ability here, then yeah, it's maybe time to rethink where your money is. Let, let me ask you something, Miranda, and I obviously agree with your philosophy here. But is there a time when you would panic? I mean, not, not panic. <laughs> But you said, like, you know, always when the market goes down, you hold on. I mean, this is the standard stuff. Your financial advisor is going to tell you that, and the, and the Jason's yeah. wives are going to tell you that. Is there ever a time when you do want to take money out of the market? Um, m me personally, probably not. Um, just because, I mean, the, the thing, like, a stock market crash is not going to cause me problems. What's going to cause me problems is, okay, w what are the underlying issues for that stock market crash? And did the stock market become completely meaningless because we're the, in the middle of an apocalyptic event that is the result of the downfall of the republic? I mean, like, that's, that's, and at that point, the stock market is the least of my concerns. Well, you're uh, right. There, like, like there is like if we get to a situation where we're looking around and we're saying, OK, um, like I just I I don't foresee a time because the stock market, we have set up our entire society around the idea that the stock market is, is going to recover after a crash. Like yes. our entire society, our entire economy, everything about the way we do things is set up around the idea that the stock market will recover after a crash. And so if we ever get to the point where that is no longer true, then we've already had a major upheaval in our economy, our society, and the way we interact with each other. And the stock market is the least of our problems. Yes. And, and actually, I would, I would put it a different way. I would say the same thing, but I'd put it this way. I would say it's not the stock market's going to recover. It's that the American economy is going to recover. And the stock market is a reflection of the American economy. Uh, yeah, as, I, as I wrote in, in 2009, when I was buying stocks, when nobody else was, I mean, everybody was, the, the sky was falling. I, it was, was, any penny I time. was buying stocks in 2009. Yeah, but, but I said, look, if, I mean, I can't remember what stock it was, but it was something super, super cheap that I really wanted to buy. And I bought it. And I said, look, here's the thing. If this company, and it was like, you know, uh, IBM or what, it was a major company, you know, that wasn't, I said, if this thing goes to zero, then the only investment you have is canned goods and shotguns, because sooner or later, this thing's going to come back. And of course it does, you know, as long as you've got quality. I mean, some companies are obviously capable of going out of business in a recession, but, you know, Apple, for example, you know, if it gets cheap, I'm just going to buy more. And, and, if, and if the American economy is going to keep going downhill until it ends, then just buy canned goods and shotguns. If it's not, then buy stocks when they're cheap. I have a couple of articles. I have some food for thought Go ahead. for uh, investors here. So the Wall Street Journal came out and said that uh, there's four states that have actually recovered all jobs lost mm -hmm. in, in uh, COVID-19. So it's Arizona, Idaho, Utah, and Texas. 
And then these other states that are almost or practically in recovery, yeah, so Nebraska, Utah, Oklahoma, Georgia, Montana, Wisconsin, Arkansas, West Virginia. So, so there's, there's a lot of states that are in, in good standing Yeah, when it comes to that. We, we were talking about you the other day, Miranda, because Miranda lives in Idaho, folks, and, uh, and you have the highest um, real estate prices in the United States, or, or uh, the biggest gains, I should say. 30% mm-hmm. is the average oh, yeah, in Idaho the last year. It's the new California. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, I'm sorry I cut you off, Aaron. What else did you have? Oh, um, there's an interesting thing in Market Watch. Uh, they took an average of the rate hikes and the rate cuts between ni- uh, 1989 and 2019. So during all rate cut cycles, which we've lived through, uh, the average Dow Jones Industrial Average gains were about 23%. During rate hikes, which we're now going into, the Dow Jones Industrial Average gains were 54.9%. Interesting. So, you know, that is super interesting. And, you know, this is something I meant to say at the outset, too. When you look at interest rate increases, and I was saying and have been saying when interest rates go up, stocks go down, and they do and they have. But remember that the reason interest rates are going up is because the economy is really good. They, they don't raise rates when the economy sucks. You know, because the, the, they're trying to make it they might try to make it easier to borrow money. Uh, and when I say they, I mean the Federal Reserve. They try to make it easier to borrow money when things are bad because they're trying to stimulate the economy. That's the whole point of it. So if, if rates are going up, it's because the economy is good. As we were just saying, you know, we, we've had the best we just had the best GDP print since the, the since 1984. So the economy is good. And this is why, you know, we don't want to necessarily bail. There is one scenario, however, where, you know, when I was your age, Miranda, I was not getting out of the stock market for any reason whatsoever. But now I'm 66. <laughs> now, I'm not a normal 66-year-old person because I own a business and I make a lot of money. Uh, so I don't really care. And, I'm, and I have no intention of quitting anytime soon. So I basically like you. But there are people who are 66 who do want to take some money off the table, I would think. But other than that, staying invested is probably the best thing you can do. Right. And it goes back to what we've talked about and, and everything is is have that strategy in place where do I have enough cash to help me write out this market? Can I sell some stuff while it's still relatively high? Take some money off the table. But do you want to take all of the money off the table? Maybe not. But figure not. out, OK, maybe maybe I take enough money off the table so that I can get through the next two to three years on just my cash. But the rest of it remains in the market so that during the recovery, you don't miss out your entire portfolio isn't missing out on the recovery. Like it's not an all or nothing. There's some reasons not to take your money out. So rebalanced investments looked at a period between 1934 and now, and they found that over a hundred years, stocks have roughly doubled every eight years. Well, that's pretty good. And there has never been a five-year period where the S&P did not register a positive return. So no matter how many little negative downturns you have, there's more positive than negative and you will always gain. Yes. As long as you're long-term investing, if you're impatient and you're trying to do everything short-term, you're not going to win. Oh, you know, another thing I told you the other day, Aaron, when you and I were talking, um, having cocktails, I, I said, you know, one of the reasons I haven't sold, even though I said I was going to, um, is because I don't know when to get back in. And, I, and you know, and, and Apple is a, is a perfect example of that. I've sold two-thirds of my Apple since uh, 2001 when I bought it. Uh, what I, I put $1,700 in it, I think. And it's what I have left is worth eight hundred thousand dollars, guys. And I sold two thirds of it. And when I sold it, it was and I and I was right both times. I sold it just before we went into a recession, and it, and the stock went down. So I was right to sell it. But guess what? I didn't buy it back. 
And so now instead of having $2.4 million, I've got $800,000, which is better than a sharp stick in the eye. Don't get me wrong. But it's one of the reasons I'm reluctant <laughs> to sell unless things are really, really going in the crapper. Because, you know, there's two things you got to do. You got to sell now, but you also got to buy back later. And if you miss that train when it's leaving the station, you're going to hate yourself. So, you know, if you can, hold on. That's my advice. There's a few banks that feel that this is this is the correction. Yeah, Goldman Sachs and Citigroup are saying it's time to buy. Barclays are saying that retail investors are overweighted. Bank of America says buy some dips, only with strong fundamentals, like Stacey was saying earlier in the podcast. And Wells Fargo says it's time to put new money to work. So these banks are feeling like this is it. Yep. What do you think? Well, I will say, remember what I said to, at the end of our last podcast. We have had a market, and I, I'm not going to say the numbers correctly, but we were up 26% in 2019 and 20% in 2020 and 27% in 2021. And sooner or later, the market will regress to the mean, uh, which is about 10%. So we are going to have to have a down year, guys, unless the, unless the fundamentals have changed and trees are actually going to grow to the sky. I mean, sooner or later, <laughs> we can't keep doing 20% a year because we're going to have right. to do 5% one year in order to get back to 10% as an average. Uh, so, you know, so I think there is some danger out here. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, this is all uh, wine and roses. Something bad is, I mean, the market is can't keep going up 20% every year. And, and, and it's already this gone down why, 10 this year. So. And, and this is why I index. Because <laughs> I just don't have to worry about what individual companies are doing. I don't have to worry about when is the time to get in, when is the time to get out, when do I get back in. I just keep dollar cost averaging into the same things, run my little small experiments on the side, but just kind of, I know, right? We're already falling asleep. <laughs> no, right I'd, to hey, sleep, everybody. Nothing right wrong with indexing. Nothing wrong with indexing. But hard to do a half-hour podcast with just indexing. We just sit there and go, well, I bought a measured amount of stock last month. Well, good talking to you folks. See you well, next week. Still, still just dollar cost averaging into the same old thing. All right. Let, well, let's talk we about it. We're, we're running over time, which is okay because we're in a special situation. But let, let's go over. Have you, have you, has anybody bought or sold anything? Nope, still just dollar cost averaging oh, into God. the same thing. <laughs> You're such a nice, boring person. Okay, I, I have not well, bought just... anything either. I've not bought anything yeah. either. I've not sold anything either. Uh, but but I'll tell you what though, I'm really happy about my energy stocks. I bought Conoco Phillips in 2000, March 2nd, 2009, for 27 dollars. It's now 88. Nice. I bought Phillips 66 in 2009, same day, uh, for 16 dollars. Now 84. I bought. I just bought Chevron um, on December fifteenth, not even well a month ago. I paid one fourteen, and now it's one thirty three. So I'm up seventeen percent on that. So oils are going to continue probably to do well as our material stocks. I own a bunch of banks. Also bought in two thousand eight, two thousand ten. Um, I paid nineteen dollars for Citigroup. It's now sixty four. Um, J P Morgan I bought for thirty seven. It's now one hundred and forty four. Uh, so, see, I, I bought stuff a long time ago. This was when, 2008, 2009, when everything sucked and the, and the sky was falling. And that's when I bought this stuff. Why did I do that? Not because I'm smart, but because I've been around this block before. And so, I, I, usually, I stood like a deer in the headlights on the sidelines. But it, finally, in 2009, after 30 years investing, that I finally figured out maybe the time to buy is when everybody else is selling. Um, let's well, see. which is now, but there's probably about several rate hikes to go this year. So, oh yeah, are you are you going to still stay on the sidelines for a while? I'm going to yes, I, I do I do not believe uh, that the market is done correcting. I absolutely do not. I think the market's going to go down some more. I really do. 
So I, I, I'm keeping powder dry, and I will be adding to positions. And, and by the way, I think there will be a time sometime probably this year when I'll get out of the oils. Because, I mean, oil's up 16% this year, and it's, it, what is it, $88 a barrel. But it ain't going to stay there. We will get a recession sooner or later, and oil is going to go down. I'm going to try to get out as close as I can to the top and buy something else. Uh, may, maybe e, um, electric vehicles or something. I'm going to try to do something with new energy <laughs> instead of old energy. Let's see. I also own oh my NVIDIA. I wish I'd sold that. Some of it anyway. That was at 350 yeah. a month ago. Now it's 218. Yeah. I read there is a uh, an AI computer. I forgot what his name. I think it's called Toggle or something like that. That predicted that that's the first stock that's going to bounce back. NVIDIA. Yeah. I hope you're right. I mean, I only paid, I only paid 50 for it, and I just yeah. bought it in 2020. I bought it less than two years ago. Yeah, just just remember, I mean, the main thing with NVIDIA is that the reason why it's in so much demand right now is because it's being used for mining. Uh, it's, it's not for the graphics cards. It's not for the graphics. It's because— It's not just mining. I know, you're but it's— You're talking about crypto mining. Yeah, but it's being used a lot for the crypto mining right now, but— um, but yeah, so that's that's just one of the things that's interesting about it is a lot of the demand shot up. Um, my uh, my son is actually pretty uh, pretty annoyed about it because it's it, it increased the price of graphics cards. He actually wants to build a computer and have like graphics and good things, but the price of graphics cards went up when the demand for the uh, for for them for mining purposes went through the roof. Yeah, but as... also AI and also um... oh, all the other things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What, what's yeah. it called? The metaverse? I mean, this is all going to... In fact, Aaron built my computer that I'm looking at right now, and it has an NVIDIA card in it. Uh, PayPal, I bought... I was so smart. PayPal, PayPal was like 350 bucks a share. It went down to 230 in November. I bought it. Um, but And I was I was smarter even when I bought it a couple of weeks later for 213 <laughs> And now it's 165 <laughs> So I may buy some more of that. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. If I was going to buy something, though, on a dip... And I think we're going to have plenty of opportunity for that. Here's what I would buy. Uh, I, and I may add to, these are stocks I already own, but I would add to them. Alphabet, I would buy that. I would buy Amazon. I own both these, but I'll add to them. Um, Apple, I'm not going to add to because I have boatloads of it already. Um, Microsoft, if you if you guys listening don't have these stocks, take a look at them. Because if the, if the market goes down, now look at your PE ratios, look at the historical uh, PE ratio versus the current one for these stocks. But if they get cheap, these are quality companies that are not going anywhere. They ain't going to zero. I promise you that. So look at Alphabet. Look at Amazon. Look at Apple. Look at NVIDIA. Look at Microsoft. Even Facebook. Um, I bought Facebook for $96 a share in 2016. Now it's $295. But it was $350 not long ago. So keep an eye on these quality companies that make tons of money and have a moat. In other words, it's gonna, they're tough to compete with. So keep an eye on those things. If the market keeps going down, nibble at these things. And if the market crashes, buy more. Because you ain't going to go, you, sooner or later, you're going to be right on those stocks. I will guarantee it. We sounded very chipper considering the market is so terrible. A couple of years, all this stuff's going to come back, I think. Oh, less than a couple of years. I hope, anyway. Okay. So I, we are out of time, folks. But you know what? We are never, ever out of topic. Dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes, including, remember, my whole stock portfolio is right there. Just click on it and see what I own. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. 
And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That's Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T dot com. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you like what we do, do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends, too. It takes two seconds to subscribe, but it really helps us out. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. I'm Stacy Johnson. And I'm, I'm Miranda Marquette. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Miranda Marquette. <laughs> and I'm Aaron Freeman. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We'll see you right here next time. <laughs>